Hi guys, and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley, and we've got a great episode for you today. We're speaking to a good friend of the show, Dave Courtine, who came on our show just before the pandemic. And I'm lit. I'm talking like literally just weeks before the panda the pandemic all hit. I remember um, if you remember the, the W60 tennis tournament tournament that happened. Uh, there were there were like tennis balls all around Shrewsbury, diff- brightly coloured, all painted different styles. And I just remember, I, I think we talked about this in the episode, um, at the bottom of the cop, there was a red one um, that leads into Greyfriars. And I remember looking at that tennis ball and just seeing flood water because we had those tennis balls and then there was flood waters, really bad, and then the pandemic hit. It was just, especially if you've got a small business or you had events planned and or, you know, you're going to go on holiday or you know, you've got family, that, that, that part, of life was just terrible for a lot of people um so yeah but good fond memories of speaking to dave Cortine. i gotta tell you that now um and uh, yeah but this is all about the new ten- uh, tournament coming up the w100 um tennis tournament and uh, i'm, I'm this, this was great dave's always been a great supporter of the shoes of biscuit um he he's he, he comes back into shrewsbury now and again but he's all around the uk and he listens to the shoes of biscuit on his commute which is really nice to hear i love that i love hearing pe- people really enjoy the show it's just uh boosts my ego that's what he does <laughs> but anyway um i'll i'll uh, leave you with this episode and at the end i will give you the dates and everything that's important about this episode so make sure you stick around after this interview ladies and gentlemen here is dave Cortine. enjoy Hey guys, and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. Uh, we're joined by a, a friend of the show who I haven't spoken to in a while, but is definitely a friend of this show, and that's our good friend Dave Cortine. How are you, Dave? You good? Yeah, I'm great, thanks, Alex. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really happy to be speaking to you. Uh, it's nice to catch up with uh, with yourself. You know, it's been it has been a, a long time, but I just remember you coming to the show very early days uh, into the biscuit, and we had some, we've always had a good conversation. And we've always had, always had a good rapport. Like yeah, that. no, I, lo- I love listening to the biscuit. As you know, I spent half my life in um, in Shrewsbury and half my life in uh, Suffolk, where my where my family live, and so. Uh, so the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast is a great way for me to get, stay in touch with what's going on. When I'm doing the journey up the A14 between uh, between home and Shrewsbury, I'm often listening to you and catching up on what's going on. So yeah, no, I, I love the work you do on, on the biscuit, and I'm really delighted to be uh, to be back on. It's a, it is a few. I think it was pre-lockdown, Alex. That's how long ago I think it was since we last spoke. I think the last time we I got you on a podcast, I think it was possibly with you, Suck. I feel like we had a few beers. And uh, we got a bit sweary on the last podcast you came on, but you suck isn't about anymore. Um, yes, it was definitely pre-lockdown uh, when we spoke. Gosh, that that seems like such a distant memory. It really does. Um, Absolutely. How are things at Mosaic? Mosaic? Um, are you still are you still in your incapacity there? How are things going? Yeah. So yeah. So we've got the Shrewsbury Club. Um, we've got a couple of other clubs uh, that we own as well. Um, you know, and other areas of the country, hence why I'm sort of, uh, not based the whole time in Shrewsbury, but yeah, the Shrewsbury club, I have to say, 
Um, you know, obviously lockdown was really tough for us. It was a really tricky, tricky time. But then um, we're really pleased how it's bounced back. We've got just a fantastic staff team there and, you know, members that just really enjoy being part of the club. I think it's got a really good vibe. And, yeah, so the club's now at 6,000 members. It's the highest it's uh, it's ever had in its, um, you know, getting on for 17, 18 year uh history now and um and we even have a waiting list at times for people to be able to join so uh so we're really grateful for that uh we don't rest on our laurels we still need no we need to work hard we still need to keep investing in the club and uh we still need to keep looking at how we can learn to be better but but fortunately given where we were sort of three years ago uh when it all looked a bit grim with the pandemic we're we're in a great spot thank you and we're hugely grateful for that fact did you get like a, a, a like a a mass a rush towards your gyms when when lockdown did open and gyms could open again? Was it like a case of whoa, <laughs> like when, it's so good to see everybody? Or was it was it slow? Did they trickle back in? No, I think I think the vast majority of people who had been members prior to lockdown were really keen to come back um, in the main. Um, and I think particularly because loads of people just really missed the social aspects of it. So, you know, we were allowed our exercise and doing exercise and, and all of those sorts of things uh, in lockdown. It was the one thing we were allowed out to do was our one hour of exercise. And I think whilst people and I think that just brought home to people that actually what's really important about exercising is the is the social side of it, the crack that goes with it. And that's what people said to us more than anything they missed. And I think also they realize how much benefit they get for their mental health from actually working out in a controlled environment with people they know and instructors that are really friendly and so I think that's that brought the majority of people back without a doubt there were some of our members particularly those that are sort of slightly older and maybe even in my age age bracket who are a bit more worried about the whole um you know covid and so they were far more more uh, reticent about coming back and they wanted to come back but that took them a bit longer but I think the other thing that we really benefited and why we have able to grow the club is that I think if there was anything good that came out of the pandemic from our perspective it was the fact that the message got out there that actually it's really important that you look after your own health and well-being and actually you know as a pandemic COVID was known to affect those people that were less physically fit more you know it affected them more sorry i should say than uh, than those people that were fit and so i think we've seen a lot of people who previously hadn't joined health clubs who who decided you know what i i need to do a bit more and i need to do some exercise and so we've seen people sign up to our clubs that probably had never been in a health club before and and so that's that's been really encouraging for us to see and it to say if there's one good thing to come out of the pandemic if it's it's reminded people of the importance of looking after yourself and doing a little bit of exercise then you know that's that's really good of a, a bit of a self-investment when it comes to health i feel like and also i feel shrewsbury is a very sporty town naturally anyway you know we've got there's always somebody jogging about there's always there's always a million people cycling along the roads uh, the, the football club has a you know a, a warm a warm place in people's hearts and the community. I've been learning an awful lot about that recently. You know, there seems to be always something to do with sport happening in in Shrewsbury. It's like a natural thing here, isn't it? Do you find? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Shrewsbury is a lovely town. I love spending my two or three days a week 
um, in the town. And you're right, and it's got everything that you need to kind of get outside and 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 be active. I mean, whether it be the quarry or the, you know, there's a, there's beautiful walks around the town. And if you go a bit further outside the town, obviously you've got. You know, you've got the the various different walks, uh, the long mind, etc. That that people can really uh, that are just stunning. I mean, they're they're, they're stunning settings. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I completely I completely agree with you. And I think I think also um, there's a really good vibe about the town. And I think yeah, people are people are, are key to look after themselves. And um, yeah, what there are so many different options that you can use. One option is to join to join a club or a gym, but one option, you know, is to go join walking groups. There's, there's yes, yeah, so many different activities that can be can be done around the town. You're absolutely right. And I know one of the the stronger points uh, that come from uh, the Shrewsbury Club is tennis. You guys are tennis mad actually at Shrewsbury Club, and uh, it's good because I, I don't think there's. Um, I mean, I know there's a strong tennis pregnant uh, pe- presence in. Um, in Telford, they do the, the, the tournaments there. But as far as Shrewsbury concerned, I think there's just just you, right? That does like major tournaments and stuff. In yeah, I mean, I mean, we've sort of grown this this ITF World Tennis Tour event that we've had. We've 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 grown it over the last twelve years that we've been at the Shrewsbury Club, and it's um, it's now become you know a really big event on the on the international tennis calendar so we're really proud of the fact that there are only 17 other cities in the world or towns that host an event of this size on the ITF calendar and, and one of them is Shrewsbury and we just think that's so cool that we get to bring such a big event to to the town uh, it's the biggest women's event in the tennis event in the UK outside of the wow. grass court season um and you know, last year, or as, as every year, we sort of get players coming to play that are in the top fifty in the world. So you are seeing some of the best uh, tennis players. So yeah, it's become a really big event on the tennis calendar. It's one of the biggest events in the UK, um, and at ITF level, it's one of the biggest tennis events on their calendar in the world. And we bring it to Shrewsbury, and we we should all be proud of that because we're only able to do this because of the support we get from. From guys in the media like you that help us promote it, and sponsors from the town that 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 actually enable us. You know, this this event costs us as a business a hundred thousand pounds to stage. Uh, it gets bigger wow. every year, and we only can do that if we get support from local uh, companies through sponsorship. And we're delighted that we that we get that, and very and very honoured uh, and very grateful for that. So yeah, so it is. You know. Don't want to sound to make to make it to be something that sounds too big, but actually, you know, it is a really good deal for the town. I mean, the sport England do research into these things, and they think an event of this level will bring in about four hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand pounds worth of business to the town. So this is a it's great for the Shrewsbury Club, obviously, but you know, we're really proud of the fact that we think it's really, really great for the town as well. Of course, I mean, we were I just I was in Liverpool. Um, what was it? It was a few months ago. I was in Liverpool with my family. We went for a, a couple of a weekend, and uh, they, were, they had the international gymnastics on there. And, uh, and we were—I'm not even joking, right? It was buzzing around Albert Docks. There were there were thousands of people around. There were competitors. There were families. There were there were people that were watch. It was it was absolutely buzzing. So I can see I've seen that for myself how a sporting event can just bring people in by their droves. And you know you need hotels, you need restaurants, you need somewhere to go and look at your surrounding areas, nice things to look at. Yeah, I can see why the the local economy would be massively 
you know, um, improved from an event like this. Um, last time I spoke to you, it was the W60 you were doing. Uh, what's the difference between the W60 and the W100? It's just the number of contestants that are in there? No, no, it's the prize money, actually, Alex. So so a W60 means that the combined prize money is £60,000. And a W100 means that the combined prize money is £100,000. So, wow. um, yeah, the number of competitors are always the same. There are 24 players that go into qualifying and then another 32 that go into the main the main draw. So around 50 single players, singles players, uh, will be entering uh, the event. And um, and on the doubles side, there's another there's, there's 16 pairs, so another 32 players enter the doubles, obviously some double up. But yeah, so we'll be bringing around about 70 players. And I think the other difference between a W60 to a W100, aside from the prize money, is that you know the higher up you get of players in terms of their world rankings, um, the more of an entourage they bring with them. So last time, last year, was the first W100 that we've that we've ever staged. We've obviously, as you mentioned before, done the W60. So we were really taken aback, I think, by the sheer number of people that that we had because each player was bringing with them a coach and a physio and maybe a hitter. So if you got like 50, 60 players, you've got two hundred and forty people actually around just just uh just on the playing side of it before you add in the officials and the spectators so um so yeah that's sort of it, it felt a big step up for us as a club to go from a from a 60 to a to 100 and and um and clearly that that sort of panned out in the players that we had and and um yeah for, for people that don't know the, the winner last year was uh was a czech player called marketa von druseva who uh, who then went on to uh, just a few weeks ago uh, last month or so won the Wimbledon ladies title so uh, so it's quite cool she actually only holds at the moment two titles in tennis uh, and that's the Shrewsbury W100 and the Wimbledon ladies single champion that's that's, <laughs> that's quite a cool stat really so uh, so yeah so so we're hoping that tradition is going to continue so whoever wins in October we're hoping they go on to win to win Wimbledon in 2024. So that's a, that's a, that's a great story. Dave, Dave knows how this, the show works and he's definitely just created himself a soundbite. You know that, you know, what's just happened there. I've just <laughs> that mentally and I put it as, as a, as our real, um, that's fantastic. A claim yeah. to fame that you, uh, you yeah. found the Wimbledon champion before she went on and won it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the tennis, you know, in tennis players, they're just so, so friendly as well. So, so, um, you know, they do talk, you know, it's like with football the, and, and certain other sports, there is a tendency, part, largely because of player safety, or whatever, to keep a little bit of a distance. So, you know, you might you might be able to, uh, you know, catch up with a footballer or wave to them or whatever, and you can wait for them at the end of the the match day at the the door when they're before they're getting on the coach. But that's about it. Whereas, whereas you know, the players are just um, happy to mingle and around the club. And so they'll sit in the club and have a coffee and they'll chat to members as well. So, so I think that's the thing, you know, I know when, when Marquetta got to the um, final at Wimbledon in that week, everybody was, was cheering her on and she got closer to the final and people were going, I just remember I sat here, I sat at this table and I had a coffee with her and now she, there she is at the Wimbledon, at the Wimbledon final. And uh, there was another player actually called Carolina Mukova, who was also coming back from injury and she played at Shrewsbury, lost in the second round. And then, 
uh, went on to the French Open, Roland Garros, which is their their version of Wimbledon, which and which is before Wimbledon. So that was even just four months after she played at Shrewsbury, and she made the final. So yeah, we had another line that you know she got only got to the second round at Shrewsbury, but she was able to get to the final of the Grand Slam. So there are all those players that sort of you get chance to spend time with and chat with and talk with when you're in the, when you're in the club. So it, it creates memories for the for the people that are around the club and and, and it's, it's a great story that they can remember sort of chatting to them in the bar uh, and then there they are watching them on telly at one of the one of the biggest tennis events of the year how difficult is it to attract um players of that caliber though i mean do you do you have to scour the internet for them or do you just dangle the carrot there and wait for them to come to you yeah it's basically how the tennis circuit works is um is that players will just be working out their schedules in terms of where they're going to play. So, so you only earn your money as a tennis player uh, predominantly, particularly at the level that we're talking about, where where players are sort of not in the top twenty, top thirty in the world. You predominantly earn your money from prize money. So, players are going to plan where they're going to play through the season according to where they think they're most likely to pick up prize money. So, partly it's about, um, and, and obviously, that the bigger the event, the more chance, the more prize money you get. But obviously, the more chance you've got of going out early, and and clearly, the longer you stay in a tournament, the more the more prize money you get. So, there's not a lot that we can do beyond beyond being part of the calendar, and it will come down who we get will come down to partly what other events are up against us. So, what other WTA or other ITF events are up against us that week where the players are planning to be able to to be and and so if there's like other tournaments in europe they'll they'll have sort of like a two three four week tournament calendar that they might follow around uh, in europe last year we were lucky in that the billy jean king cup was following on from from where we were and, and some teams were competing in that in glasgow so some players came across and used that as their warm-up for the billy jean king cup that was going to take place uh, place later on and then it simply comes down to where you think you're actually going to get in because every tournament is based on where your world ranking is so the first 20 uh, places will go to um, to the top 20 in terms of their world ranking when they enter then you have uh, six wild cards and six people that come in through through the qualifying to make up the 32 in the main draw so you'll find players will enter a number of different tournaments. It's a bit like when in the days years ago when I used to apply when you used to apply for university, you know, you'll put down your four or five choices and you'll put down a priority order and then you'll look a couple of weeks out and decide which one you're most likely to get in and and you'll 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 pick that one. Um and we were, yeah, so the highest ranked player that we had was a was a Ukrainian player called Kalanina An- Annalina Kalanina, sorry, Annalina Kalanina. And she was 45 in the world when she played Shrewsbury. Uh, Von Drusova and Mukova, who've gone on to be now both top 20 and Von Drusova's top 10, at the time were coming back from injury. So their world ranking had dropped. So they were looking to play in tournaments where they could pick up uh, some points and try and boost their their rankings. And it obviously obviously worked for them. So, yeah, so we're just, re- we're just really hopeful that we get players that, um, you know, at the right, at the right time. Um, I'll give you another example, actually, whilst we're on that. So so we were approached actually about um, three or four months ago by Elena Svitolina's manager, who said, look, she's coming back. She's had a, she's just had a baby. She's a former number three in the world. She's coming back. She's taking time off from maternity leave. Going to start competing again. We've worked out a provisional schedule. 
she's got Shrewsbury on it. Are you happy? Are you able to cope with it? And obviously, she's a really big name. That would be absolutely fantastic to get to get her to come along. In reality, what's happened since then is that her comeback's gone way better than she expected. She's got a lot deeper at, at Wimbledon, uh, where she got to the semi-final, um, and, and the French Open, where I think she got to the quarterfinals. So her ranking will be so high that she'll probably go and choose another event that she previously didn't think she would get into. So she's not going to come to Shrewsbury. But there will be players that are coming back from injury and 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 so on, who whose rankings have dropped down, and that we may we may get to come to the club, but it's part of the excitement that you never really know who you're going to get until the day before when they actually turn up and sign in. So um, we get, we get a few ideas of two weeks out, but, but there we are. Has anybody absolutely like rocked your world and you're like, Oh my God, as if they're coming. Is, it, is there any like, um, mm. whether, whether it's down to ranking or whether it's because they're just one of the classic pros. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, we we had Jack Draper, so we had a men's tournament, and Jack Draper came along, and we knew he was going to go on and be a really, really, really good player. Um, and um, yeah, so he so that was that was really good news to get him, and he came to Shrewsbury, and he he won that as a twenty five. He's now gone on. I mean, at the moment he's injured, but he was top fifty, and you know if he gets back from injury, he'll definitely be a. A, a British number one of the future and, and probably a top 20 in the world. He's just a really great player. Um, you know, looking back with hindsight. So, so this is, this is another good story for you. So Emma Raducanu, uh, 12 months before she won the U S open, couldn't get into Shrewsbury. She didn't make it into Shrewsbury because her ranking wasn't, wasn't high enough. So she didn't even make it into qualifying. And then, uh, Literally 12 months later, she was winning the US Open. So that's one we missed out on because it would have been wonderful wow. to have had Evan Raducanu. Uh, so she's probably never going back. Like, no, it wasn't good enough for your shoes, really. Never. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never. I mean, I think it's extremely unlikely because the the quality of, well, not necessarily the quality, uh, she's a great player, but actually her her appeal means that some of the bigger events are going to offer a wild card because they know that her box office appeal is huge. And so, you know, she would be a player that would be able to get into a WTA 250 or a WTA 500, irrespective of her ranking, because the organisers would think she's going to sell tickets. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, from a ranking perspective, uh, if she's back and fit and playing, then the W100 would be the type of event that she needs to play. But I think, um, yeah, I think it's extremely unlikely she'd come, she'd come to Shrewsbury. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to, I mean, I mean, I suppose the one that, that we're kind of thinking, be interesting to see what happens, is Caroline Wozniacki, who's a former world number one Grand Slam champion. Uh, she's just come back having had uh, an, a long time out, having had two children. So she's she's been out for, for quite a while. So she's got to build her ranking back up again. She'll get some wild cards. But a W100 would be the sort of event that she's going to be playing at. So it's going to re- it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to her over the next um, few months, and particularly at the US Open, which is coming up at the end of this month. I mean, if she doesn't doesn't go deep into the US Open, then then she's got to be somebody that that may well have Shrewsbury on her on her schedule. Uh, and what a great story that would be! But but you never know. It's all it's all up in the air. Um. How does sponsorship work with? Because I know, like with a football club, um, if you have sponsor boards along the side and stuff, and big sponsors everywhere, that goes towards the club. But for the sponsors, for you, does it go towards the competition? 
or does it go towards the players and split towards is it the prize money? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, no, so the prize money is really straightforward. So that's got to be paid by the host association. So the prize money is paid for by the LTA, obviously who organised tennis in the in the UK. So, so that's paid for by them. And then the rest of the costs of organising the tournament are split between us as the Shrewsbury Club, the host club, and the LTA. So largely they're responsible for what I would describe as the, as the, as the professionals around it. So the line judges, the officials, um, you know, the They'd buy all the tennis balls, for example. They'd they'd pay for the accommodation of the players. They would uh, they would pay for all the tournament uh, people that, that go around actually logistically making the tour- the tournament happen. The referees, the supervisors, etc. And then the cost of actually putting the event on, so the stadium seating, the PA systems, the uh, the big video screens that we have, the hospitality tents, all of that is down to the club. So that's how the costs are split. And then in terms of the income, yeah, the income is basically that we generate from sponsorship comes to us as the as the club to help us offset the, those costs. And then if we do make a surplus and we, we're kind of, um, you know, we struggle to get there, we, we're, we're happy if we break even. But if we were to do make a surplus, then that would get split 50-50 between between us and the and the LTA, so um, we're playing for the stadium seats, the hospitality tents, the you know, and all and all sort of the the products that go on and around making the event happen. And that's why we run a series of, of events, Alex. So not only do we have the tennis and people paying to watch the tennis, but we do, we put a series of events on through through the week to help generate revenue and to make use of the marquees that we've got, and actually to make it feel more like a we, we describe it as a tennis festival you know there is so much going on so on the saturday which is semi-final day uh, which this year will be the 21st of october we have a family fan zone day so we've partnered up with elsmere college and they are putting on a whole host of of different kids activities face painting different challenges of all sorts arts and crafts everything else so so families can come along and um uh, and join in and then watch the semi-finals of the of the singles tennis on the Saturday. So so that's a big draw for us. So we get sponsorship in to sponsor the event, as I mentioned with Ellesmere College. Uh, we, that we're making the kids free on Saturday, so they get to watch the tennis for free and join in for free, but the adults have to pay uh, pay the tickets, and that all helps to kind of offset our our costs. So, yeah, we put a number of events on through the – through the week that actually help us to to generate income and and cover the cost but that money comes to us there's your ingenious tennis balls that were placed around town as well which were wonderful yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah do you remember those yeah that was great yeah we we uh we had 12 of those around the town for a tennis ball trail that people could walk around and we got the students at shrewsbury college to uh to decorate them them all them all up and uh yeah we had a, we had we had about we had about 300 people that entered that um they did the trial and entered and entered to win to win prizes. So um, so yeah, it was it worked well. It was a it was a fun way of getting the message out there about about the about the event. Do when I think it's weird though because when I think of your tennis balls, I think of a pandemic and I think of floods <laughs> because there was yeah. one at the bottom of um, of Wild Cop and as you go in towards Great Fires, there was just the whole river was flooded and you couldn't get down there actually. And I just remember that sad little tennis ball just stood there like. Don't go this way. Yeah, <laughs> and of course we couldn't we couldn't change the expression on his face, so it still looked like he was smiling, but he had he yeah, had completely like, wet. He had trench foot because it was like was so uh, so flooded. <laughs> yeah, he should we should have put wellies on him, but yeah, 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We literally just put them out and then and then to start the trail and then um and then it, and then it flooded. Yeah, and then and then That's shortly tropic. afterwards oh. the pandemic struck and so they were the, they were the, it was the tennis ball trail for the tennis event that never happened. So, I blame you, uh, Dave. Blame you all yeah. for all of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um I've never been to like Wimbledon. I know you've just been to to Wimbledon, and I know you're a big fan of tennis. I've never been at a, a, um, a professional tennis match. Actually, no, I have. I remember there was a tennis tournament when I was really small. And I, this was when I lived in Telford, so gosh, it must have been nine or ten. And we we actually snuck into the Telford International Arena, um, and while there yeah. was something going on, and we were watching the tennis from up in the rafters. <laughs> <laughs> and the um the a security guard was like oi chased us out uh, I, I remember that but no i haven't actually watched a professional tennis and like i remember watching wimbledon this year the final between alcatraz and and alcaraz sorry and uh, djokovic uh we were sat with my, uh, my my wife's family and it was such a tense moment that whole match there was it was a proper mind game between them two and you uh, mm. you go back to your conversation earlier about tennis players actually being all right guy all right people you know I, is it a shock to you sometimes when you when you see these really nice sports people and you, they shake hands, you have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and then they go into this war zone that is the the match, and they just change personality? Is that a, a weird transformation for you? Yeah, I mean, there's a great quote. I think it's from um, from Billie Jean King that says, "Tennis is a gladiatorial battle that's dressed up as a vicar's tea party." And I think that's just a great that's just a great description because it is it's one of those few sports where you are completely one on one. There is there, they do allow a little bit of coaching from the sides, but when you go out on the court, you really are on your own. And no matter what's happening, what the score is, what what how the how the match is actually evolving, you've got to work it out for yourself as a player because there's no one else there to help you, and you've got these moments when you're sat down on, on court between for the 90 seconds rest you get at the end of every two games um, where you're trying to work out and you'll see a number of players that have made notes that they refer to in their bag. Andy Murray's a great one for that. You know, you'll, you'll see him sit down at the at the net and he'll look in his bag and he'll have his little piece of paper out that's, that's just to reinforce him some key points about what he was trying to do with his tactics and his play. And it's, it's an unusual sport in that respect. And the other thing, it's an unusual sport in that, you know, you, the only way you win is by winning the last point, you know. So, so football, you could be you could be three nil up, uh, you could let two goals in, but you end up winning the match because you know you've you you got you got the three goals in early. With tennis, you have to win the last point, and and with that comes a huge amount of of pressure uh, to close out matches, which is why you see players that are look to be winning comfortably suddenly get tense at the end because they're they're close to the line but they're not over the line you can't you know you can't be timed out you can't wait for the 90 minutes to be up i'm winning so therefore match is done it's the end of the match because the the referee's blown his final whistle you've got to win that final point to close the match out and that that makes it a real pressure sport uh and 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 i think that's part of the the attraction behind it but I think, yeah, uh, you know, my experience of dealing with um, with tennis players, and we've had them come into the Shrewsbury Club for a long time now. Is you look, of course, as in all walks of life, you get all sorts of different people, but but tennis players generally are really appreciative of of the support that they get. They, 
you know, they don't have, unless they're literally at the top end of the sport, the the high levels of affluence and the lifestyle that a lot of other sports people have. So I think they're just more appreciative and and more relatable probably than um, than, than some others. And but like everybody, they have the, they have the good days and their bad days, Alex, like we all do. So they're a bit grumpy sometimes, just like we all are. <laughs> I bet you've seen some divas over the years, though, haven't you? Strawberries. <laughs> I can yeah, well, of course, our game, our, our our tournaments are in the winter, so strawberries aren't really aren't really a thing. Yeah, but yeah, I, I know you only mention it as a joke, but actually, you know, diet is one of the most important things. And the other thing that's unusual with tennis is is how do you plan for it? Because you never know when, unless you're the first match on in the day, you have no idea when you're going to play, because you you know matches follow one after the other, so you know you're going to be third on centre court. But actually, that means that the first match could be done in an hour and the second match done in an hour. And so therefore, you know, you're on uh, you're on at 12 o'clock, let's just say, whereas alternatively, the first match could be a three hour epic, as could the second match. And so actually, you're not on till five o'clock. So literally, it's very difficult. So players are kind of having to look at the scores in matches before and decide when they're going to eat because actually I don't know when I'm when I'm going to be going on. So so you can imagine there's a few players that sort of like right I need I need pasta and I need it now and and yeah it's, you, you, of course you get a bit of that but but generally what what's in those little sachets that they smashed on? I saw uh, Djokovic sucking on these sachets like in between sets. Yeah, they're like a high energy gel basically. So um, so yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's, it's sugar on speed, basically. It's a pro plus. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, pro so it's, it's, yeah, it's the sort of thing you'd never give a five-year-old if you were looking after them for the afternoon because it would make oh, them like completely hyper. So, <laughs> so, so it's slightly more sophisticated than that. But, yeah, effectively, it's an energy gel that is designed to deliver energy into your body quickly and effectively. Yeah, imagine that's really got a huge as well, though. I imagine yeah. after that you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it is. You, you talk about gladiatorial sort of uh, face-off. It, it really. I mean, like I am the clumsiest guy at the normalest of times. You know, crossing the road, whatever it is. Like if some guy's attempting to cave my head in with a ball at 100 mile an hour, at that moment I'm I'm going to mess up. Absolutely, the reflexes you got to have as a tennis player are just incredible. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting sport, actually. I mean, I think that's part of the attraction of it in that it, it's a real all-rounder sport because you've got hand-eye coordination, right? So straight away, it's like a racket and a ball. So you've got, you've got your hand-eye coordination. You've got the strength of um, and power of kind of, you know, a serve or trying to hit the ball particularly hard as a return to kind of get it past your opponent, get through your opponent. So you've got the speed of of wanting to kind of hit the ball, hit the ball hard. Um, you've got flexibility and it's a very lateral game. So, you know, a lot of sports are used to running forwards or backwards, but yeah. tennis, there's a huge amount of side to side, which, which brings a different range of kind of flexibility and, and movement requirements. You've got the intensity of a point, which, you know, on average, a tennis point might last anything. Well, someone serves an ace that lasts about, second and a half but but yeah. you can have a really long rally that that could last a minute or so um but but you're but you're going to be running and sprinting from one side to the other so so you've got the sort of the sprint and the speed of it but then you've also got the endurance of it because 
you know, particularly in Grand Slams and, and men's matches that are five sets, can easily last over four hours. So you're playing a high level in uh, uh, of sport for, for four or five hours. So you require a huge amount of endurance. So it's got endurance, it's got speed, it's got flexibility, it's got hand-eye coordination. You know, it's a real all-rounders all-rounders sport from that perspective. Very different, of course, the game that I play. <laughs> That's why I always feel sorry for the players when they get interviewed on set, on stage, you know, on the on the on the court for thousands yeah. of people on the TV. Like, how was that? And they're like, well, "How do you think it was?" Yeah. <laughs> I think they always keep themselves so composed. Djokovic at the the Wimbledon final was like, "Yeah, fair play to him. He was a difficult opponent. Did really well, but I've won, you know, a few of these. It's fine." I, I'd have been like. That guy, <laughs> I hate him. Like you know, you'd want to, you'd want, you'd be so angry, wouldn't you? You know, after putting all that effort. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's where they're conditioned. So I think at that level, they kind of have some stock phrases that they know they need to kind of, yeah, kind yeah. of bring it's out. I actually thought, to be fair, I, I thought, I thought to just use that as an example. But I thought Djokovic's speech at the end of at the end of that match, which, as you say, was absolutely on a knife edge. And obviously, there's a whole thing about Djokovic trying to get the record in terms of the number of slams and Alcaraz of the new kid on the block that's trying to to sort of take the crown off him. But I thought the the recognition that, that Djokovic gave him uh, and the way that he kind of acknowledged how, how well he played, I, th- I thought, yeah, I thought that was a really impressive um, moment from Djokovic. He's not always... Uh, perhaps handled himself as well as he could do in the press. But I thought in that moment, what must have been, you know, pretty demoralising for him. And the question is now, is he going to win another slam? Because because actually grass is the one surface that that you would expect Djokovic to be able to to last the longest. And now he's been taken out by by Alcaraz uh, on grass. You know, you, you've got to think, well, suddenly going into the US Open, you, you, you sort of almost feel like Alcaraz is now the favourite, whereas Djokovic was the favourite. So it's interesting how it... How it's how it's switched around, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to to control your emotions at the end at the end of a match. But I guess that's part of what they're trained and conditioned to do. Um, how how are you doing for for media? Are you drumming enough attention to get bring in Sky and BBC and stuff? What what are you going to have there? Yeah, so that's that's down to um, that's down to the LTA. So that's something that we don't have direct control over. What we've set up and we've agreed um with them is that we are going to have what they call a full tv production so what that means is multiple cameras at various different angles it means a commentary team um and then how it seems to work and this is a whole new world for me that i don't get involved in at all but how it seems to work with tv sports rights is that you very much then try to push those out to whatever channels will actually take them. And so I know negotiations are going on at the moment between um, the uh, LTA and the BBC for for the Shrewsbury event to be on on BBC Digital. Um, They're also talking to Sky, who are going to be taking the US Open, but I think that's a little bit early for Sky. Sky getting into tennis, uh, allegedly, but I think this comes a bit too soon uh, for them to get involved. And they're talking to, obviously, things like Tennis TV, which almost inevitably will take it, et cetera. So yeah, for us, we are fingers crossed that the BBC take it. It would be, it would be wonderful. Uh, and we will be ready for them with some, we've already done some little uh, video clips to promote the town. So, uh, so we'll be ready to kind of be able to, to show Shrewsbury his best if we, if we get the BBC uh, to, to put the thing out. 
Well, we have this saying that that's been going around. I think since about lockdown, actually, on the biscuit, and that's uh, biscuit before BBC. And so, like, you know, if you, if you wanted a bit of a hand with a bit of coverage, we'll happily help you out. Well, I think we've got what, ten weeks. That's, yeah, I, I, absolutely. We we would love to have what we would love to have is a pop up Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast at the event. We think that would be we think that would be really cool, Alex, and we'd love you to to be there and and speak to some of the players, speak to the crowd, speak to the officials. Um, you know, some of these um, these these umpires that you see. I mean, that, they're doing that for a living, so it's not just they have like two weeks off work and go and umpire at, at Wimbledon. So a lot of the line judges and umpires that you see at Wimbledon will be will be also at Shrewsbury. So they've all got some great stories to tell of when they were in the chair and certain finals around the world. And, you know, I've just been out to Croatia with my family for, for a very fortunate uh, and lovely trip out to Croatia. And while we were out there, there was an ATP um, 250 tournament on. So we went and had a little look at that. Uh, it was really close to the beach. It was just the perfect kind of tennis event to go along and see. But there was like six officials that were there, either line judges or in the chair, that had all been at Shrewsbury in October. So, uh, so yeah, so there's some, some officials that have a great story to tell as well. So we'd absolutely love the podcast to be a, to be a big part of it, of it this year. We talked about it in the year that the uh, event didn't happen because of the pandemic. So, uh, yeah, if you're up for it, let's make it happen this time. I'm sure we can be free and we'll put, well, I'm going to, I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks. Well, I'm off to Turkey next week, so we'll get that out of the way first, but I'm, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, don't think well, about it then. Enjoy, enjoy the beach and, and Turkey. <laughs> next I'll put a team together. I'll bring, I'll bring some people in and uh, we'll, we'll make a go of it. Cause I've got like the mixer here that can sit in one place and we have the H6 that can walk around. So we can have a team in one place and somebody walking around getting interviews as well. So we could, Brilliant. we can put a team together. So that'd be really, really good. Yeah. I love that. Um, absolutely what's it i mean like when when you're dealing with uh, huge quantities of people i'm not just talking about like um people that are going to come watch um the, the audience and stuff there but we're talking about you're talking about tennis players come with a huge entourage of people at times um how do you accommodate people like that in in Shropshire? i guess with you being mosaic you you know if you play new spas a few a few hotels and things that they can use yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I think, well, I mean, with the, the tournament hotel, so we have an official tournament hotel, which is okay. which has been the Prince Rupert uh, for a number of years. And the players love it because they, it's right in the centre of town. So it's it's perfect for them to kind of, you know, you don't often get that in, in tournaments there. You're often put in, you know, hotels on the outskirts of town and, and, and all of that. So, so, we, so we put them up in the Prince Rupert and then we, the main sponsor of the event is Budgeon and they provide us with player transportation cars so so we basically take the players around from from the prince rupert back into the shrewsbury club or if they want to go anywhere else in town then they can do so a number of the coaches and the support staff will then you know pick up with airbnb and they'll sort themselves out because it's only the players that get their accommodation paid for not not their kind of their support crew so um so they'll be sorting themselves out thanks to you know the likes of booking.com and airbnb um and then and then yeah it's really just a case of you know pushing out and promoting all the various different hospitality areas that are around that are around the town that that people can that people can stay at and we know that you know a number of spectators come from from afar to watch this so so yeah that's that's how we sort of accommodate date them in terms of where they stay overnight in terms of in the club because you know what's really important for us is that it's a it's a really good event for us to host but we don't want it to detract from the 
experience of the 6,000 members and that's been quite hard to manage at times and you know, if I'm honest at times we don't we haven't done that as well as as we as we could have done so so this year particularly we're building a hospitality village uh, next to the club which will have um, you know the basics like toilets but it will have a player zone where we're putting amusements in for them we'll have a player cafe official zone a ball crew zone because we need we need ball crew from the local schools and they need somewhere to go and put their stuff we're going to have an event space we're going to have a tie break cafe so so this year as a spectator you'll you'll basically you'll go into the hospitality area and and you'll have you know refreshments and uh, toilet facilities and everything in there and then you'll go through to the stadium seating that we put into the club but the rest of the club the changing rooms the the hub that we have at the at the club which is our social space all of that will be will be left for just the the members and and obviously the players and the officials so so we're going to try and manage that a bit better by creating a better experience for the spectators with with easier access to some of the key facilities that they want um but also uh for our members you know less kind of their facility being overrun with 500 spectators coming to watch a tennis match yeah that sounds great um yeah, I can imagine how that would be. Uh, you, know, you, you come in on the the gym on the one evening that you've got free, and it's like, why? What? what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've done that once yeah. when I was going for a health kick. I was like, oh, I rocked up to my, the gym. I was like, years and years ago, obviously, and um, it was closed on New Year's Day, and I, I, I flipped my lid, and I was like, New Year's Day is closed. Like, what? You get you get so like um, focused on your routine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you. I know this is a tennis tournament coming up, and you're but you're a lover of all sports. Are you at all threatened and worried about pickleball? Because it seems to be taking off on an incredible rate. Everybody's talking about pickleball at the moment. Absolutely. If it's not pickleball, then they're talking about paddle tennis as well. So, uh, look, you know, my, my stance on all of this is that, uh, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about, actually, when we started this conversation, Alex, is that, you know, I, I just think the more that we can do that makes it attractive to people to be active, the better. So, so pickleball um, is a great sport. It's got, you know, it's, it's obviously derived from tennis. It's probably easier uh, to play than tennis. So that's great because because it actually gets people that wouldn't be able or wouldn't necessarily think about picking up a tennis racket can certainly go and and play pickleball. And there will be some people I think that having got their confidence at pickleball will will progress into wanting to play tennis. So you might end up with more people playing tennis. But I just think that the more we create fun games and sports that get that get more people more active more more often, the better that actually is. So so yeah, no, I'm excited by the growth of pickleball. I love the fact that it's getting greater coverage and I hope people that are intrigued by it. And as I say, it has a <laughs> Certainly, it's much more of an entry level kind of sport. You know, you can play that uh, much easier and have a much more enjoyable game if you haven't got your racket skills than than say than say pick, trying to pick up a tennis racket. So, so it's great, and I, and yeah, uh, more more strength to pickleball, more strength to paddle, which is sort of a combination of tennis and squash. And I'm confident that tennis will will thrive alongside that. It makes me super competitive when I play it. Like I was chatting, big shout out to Jackie Jordan um, um, <laughs> from um, TV guest, but who we've worked with quite a bit, and she's 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 helped me out with some amazing guests, and she's wonderful. She really is. 
But I got, <laughs> we were chatting about it on Facebook the other day, and she was like, oh, I'm playing pickleball. I was like, lady, if you come over to the UK from the US and we play pickleball, you're going down. <laughs> Prepare to be doomed. Like, I love it. It's so good. Like, I could be the most polite person, you know, have a really nice conversation with someone. But as soon as the game starts, it's like, you go down. Like, I love it. It's so good. They're really good. So, yeah. Excellent. Um, what I mean, obviously, this is a huge event. You put a lot of effort into it. I know you've got a huge team. How many of you of the team, the W100 team, are there at the moment that's working hard? Yeah. So, so I mean, the to be fair, there's probably about four of us uh, at at the club at the moment that that spend time on planning it. We really, we've really, we've learned over the over the years to try and separate it out. So, so we create a team now that looks after the W100 and allow the guys you know that run the club normally to just carry on running the club obviously there needs to be some crossover so yeah there's about three or four of us at the moment uh we absolutely should recognize that the event wouldn't happen not only do we need sponsors but we need volunteers and every year we get about 80 uh volunteers who sign up and help us uh to to put the event on and do a whole raft of of different uh things and activities that the we need them to do court stewarding, accreditation desk, um, yeah, looking after the, the spectators and, and and pointing out the way, etc. So the the volunteers are are critical to driving the players around. As I mentioned before, is another another big area as well where we rely completely on volunteers and are very grateful for that. Um, and we also work as a you know someone that I know you know you know really well, but but with Beth Heath and her team at Shropshire Festivals, and we talk about this being a a festival of uh, tennis and, and, you know, Beth is the absolute legend at putting on festivals. She does it brilliantly. She's, she's world-class at it. And so when we, when we knew this event was coming up, we, we knew we had to get Beth involved if we wanted it to be really good. And so we also work with her team uh, and, and this year she's bringing some of them in on a more, uh, you know, not as volunteers as paid for, uh people to help work with us as well so so when the event's on there will probably be about 80 volunteers and about about 10 12 staff working totally on it from the Shrewsbury club perspective um in the build up to it yeah we're working alongside Beth and Claire at Shropshire festivals and there's a couple of us at the club that that put all the planning of it and to be honest with you it's a it's a 12 month job so as soon as this one's finished we'll be we'll be off and rolling for for next year's event so it's uh it's an all-year-round commitment that we try to fit in around all the other things that we do you know running health clubs and uh across the country but um but i'm going to be honest it's one of the bits i one of the bits of my job that i enjoy uh so yeah that's that's quite cool i love the guys from shropshire festivals we work so well together um uh beth i saw a few a couple of, oh gosh when was it a week ago or so and i was meant to go to the petal fields they got the petal fields and they invited me to the uh the the, the, the pre-opener and uh, i was meant to go but my son was playing um in matilda of the the seven so i couldn't go i right, said to my wow. wife i've like, got, got a thing tomorrow she goes no you haven't <laughs> she's like we're going to the theater to watch your son play and i was like oh okay wife okay sorry <laughs> so well beth's, beth's been talking about doing this petal fields for yeah. uh for a while now so she's 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 wanting to be doing it for a long while and she's really passionate about it so and it looks absolutely i've seen the stuff on social media i've not had a chance to go either myself but it looks 
it looks amazing and uh certainly all the feedback on social media from people that have been that it's a that it's a great it's a great event out but yeah everything that that that, that team does uh they do they do really really well and so we're we're so delighted that they're part of what we do at the um at the w100 and they they add quality to it in a way that you know we just couldn't even imagine and and she comes up with some incredible ideas and and pulls it off and 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 it looks yeah it, it makes the event the unique event that it is and we're yeah we're really grateful to work with with beth and her team well, I'm really excited for this, and uh, I do wish you and the team the absolute best with this. I know you're going to knock it out of the park, um, and you've got the support of the biscuit wherever we can be to help you support it. Um, but if uh, anybody's listening to this now and wants to gather as much information as they can about the event, uh, are there any places they can go, Dave? Yeah, the web- we've got a website, a dedicated website, uh, which is worldtennistourshrewsbury.com. So that's worldtennistourshrewsbury.com. And um, if you go onto there, it's got all the details of all the events, um, how the schedule of matches works out, um, and there is a link through to the ticketing website. Tickets are already on sale. We've already sold um, about eight or nine thousand pounds worth of tickets for the events, wow. which is well ahead of where we've been before. So that's I think we've got Marquetta von Drusica to thank for that because she uh, she certainly raised our profile when she won Wimbledon. I think a few people wanted to get in there. And actually, we close on 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 towards the end of the week. We're actually getting towards uh, you know selling out on some of the tickets, and I'm sure we will by we did last year, but only in the last week. But they might sell out a bit a bit sooner this time uh, around. But um, yeah, it will be. Uh, that's where you need to go if you want. We'd love people to come along. Uh, and join in they'll be really close up to the action they'll see some incredible tennis um and world tennis tour shrewsbury.com is where they need to go well i would love to be there with a biscuit <clears throat> because i've this is something i've never done before never seen like i said professional tennis and i think it's just going to be something that you need to see in person i feel like watching the telly is great you know you can still get a sense of the uh the nerves and and, and the uh the tense intensity of it all but like being in person you can Feel it in the air. I definitely want to. So get your tickets in, folks. Uh, sounds like they're going to sell out quick. Dave, thank you so much. It was on short notice. We organized this uh, yesterday. Thank you, Scott, on Instagram, uh, one of the, your guys, uh, to, for organizing this. Um, and it's always nice to catch up with you, Dave. It really is. Um, yeah, Likewise, Alex. Yeah, you're right. It, the the Evolve by Media, the Evolve Media guys have done a great job in helping us uh, uh, this year as well. So, and they pulled this. Uh, they, they pulled this together as you say at really short notice so it's yeah it's been great to chat to. we absolutely yeah. will will have you will have you involved so i'm sure people can uh, can look out to enjoy a, a w100 tennis themed biscuit podcast sort of around the end of october early november next year we'll definitely have you as part of it and yeah i, I would say that i just have to say if you if when you watch tennis that close up uh it is it is different level and we, but that's the one bit of feedback we get from so many people is that you know i didn't think i was into tennis but having seen it this close up it's been amazing so yeah there we go brilliant well dave thank you so much for joining us on the show today thank you to the guys from evolve media for for setting this up uh, much love to you guys and uh, best of luck with this amazing event i'll let you go and thanks um, alex listeners make sure you uh, stick around i will end this uh, in a, a separate bit now but thank you dave for, for joining us on the show speak soon alex so there we go what a great interview that was great catching up with dave uh, he's a great chap um and uh, 
Yeah, we we very nearly slipped into just sports talk there because I love my sports, you know. Um, but uh, I'm glad we uh, we managed to talk about the fundamentals of actually running uh, an event on the scale of this. Um, the uh, the ITF World Tennis Tour W100 is coming to Shrewsbury uh, between the between Sunday the fifteenth and Sunday the twenty second of October. Um, so that week there is when it's all the magic is going to be happening, uh, and like Dave said, um, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of fun um, happening throughout that week. They're going to turn it into a, a tennis tournament, a tournament and a festival. There's going to be lots going on. So make sure you go to uh, WorldTennisTourShrewsbury.com uh, to buy your tickets, to look about what's going on, and to find everything else out that you haven't heard already on this this podcast. Um, it's going to be a great event. Um, and as you heard from Dave, it looks like we're going to be there. I, I kind of guessed that that might be happening. Um, so yes, we're going to... I'm really excited about that. And there are a few people um, that, you know, I, I, I spoke to straight after this. And one of them is um, Adam from the TWS podcast, good friends of ours. And I was like, these guys do sports. Maybe we can collaborate. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But that's what something like this does. It inspires you to go out and want to do something cool. Um, anyway, uh, I want to move on to sponsorship for The Biscuit. If you have something that, if you have a business, if you have an event, or if you have a thing you want a voice for, uh, we're looking for locally sourced adverts to put on our show. Um I am not charging a lot at all. I'm, in fact, you know, it, what we're charging is very cheap compared to other advertising models around. You know, um, we have space for uh, for twenty second adverts on a podcast or uh, two forty second adverts. Um, now, listeners, this isn't going to ruin the show. Okay, this is just a way that I can ha- create a symbiotic relationship with local businesses to help out them and to us as well if you put a few pennies in our tin and let you guys know about their great businesses uh, it's not going to be all about me undies and um whatever podcast things uh you know that people advertise on the big podcast it's all about locally sourced stuff so if you would like to find out more please drop me an email um at shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com be happy to talk to you about that like i said i don't charge an awful lot at all um so uh, be glad to hear from you also we have a brand new website that's being built right now it's all been finalized um there's going to be blogs on there like monthly blogs i'm going to start writing about guests i found fascinating throughout the month uh, again there'll be more advertising opportunities there'll be links to new shows some of our classic shows there'll be a bit about the biscuit there's going to be so much going on um so i stay you know follow us on social media and i will share all links and all news about that on there um you can find us on facebook twitter we're on threads we're on linkedin we're on Instagram, which is my favorite, and we're on TikTok. So wherever you want to follow us, give us a follow, and uh, all the news about the brand new website will be on there. <sighs> I'm going to leave you guys. Have a great day. I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace out. Peace out.